0: Merry Christmas from, here, from those here at Wyoming Valley Church. Do remember the lunch is following. Please plan to be a part of that. I want to start out by asking you a question this morning. Who likes getting gifts, presents, or giving presents? Raise your hand, because I think that should be everybody. You at least like getting, if not giving, presents, right? Christmas isn't really all about presents, is it? To some degree, though, it is. We love getting presents. We love giving presents. It's generally an act of love. And that's a good thing. But did you ever get a present that didn't last very long? Think about it. Did you ever get a present that didn't last very long? Let me show you a couple examples. Again, going along with what I'm saying, did it not fit? Was it not the right style? Did you have to return it? Anything like that? When I was little, we did stockings. Anyone do stockings still? Yeah? In stockings, generally, you get smaller gifts. My parents loved to stock those things with candy. Do you guys remember the uh, the candy cane-shaped plastic tube with the M&Ms in that? Yeah. That's a gift that didn't last very long because we would gobble that up in about 30 seconds. Great gift, but it didn't last very long. Uh, we also used to get these popcorn bins. You guys ever seen those with like the three different flavors? We were supposed to share with our siblings. Those things lasted about half a day. Did you ever forget batteries for something on Christmas? I am a father of five. If I forget batteries, I might as well just stay in bed. <laughs> I'm going to be the Grinch and the Scrooge for sure, but that's that's a way that something can't last very long if you forget batteries to something that needs it. One year, I shared with this already with our group, but um, when I was working at the bank here in uh, Dunmore, I got one year lottery tickets for a Christmas present, which I actually was thought was kind of cool. you know I don't buy lottery tickets myself, but if someone's going to give them to me, maybe I'll win the jackpot, you know but <laughs> Like I shared with you before, those, those tickets did not last very long because I scratched them off and I got nothing. And I ended up just throwing them in the garbage because that's all they were at that moment. So that's a, gath, a gift that lasted very, very short. In fact, probably the shortest gift I ever got, which is about 14 seconds. Um, one year, my brother opened the wrong present. He actually, when you're, when you're like 10 years old, people get you gifts that are from you, but you really had no involvement in getting those gifts. Anybody been there? So my brother gave a gift to his grandfather, and uh, Travis, all he did was, he saw his name on the present and thought it was his. So he ripped it open. It was a puzzle. He was really excited, only to realize that my mom corrected him and said, actually, Travis, that's from you to Grandpa. So Travis had to fork that gift over to Grandpa. That gift didn't last very long. And then one last short, brief illustration here. Uh, I hope this doesn't make you think poorly of me, but uh, around December time, when I was around 22, 23 years old, I was dating a young girl, and I actually ended up breaking up with her a little bit before Christmas. Uh, This is really sad. But she actually had already bought presents for me (laughs) that year and uh, put a lot of thought into them. And uh, I opened the presents, and they were really sweet, but I realized I can't keep the presents and ditch the girl right? I had to give those presents back. (laughs) And I felt really awkward. That was one of the most awkward periods of my life, having to give presents back because of that. But that's an example of a gift and not lasting long. We're going to talk about presents today. I hope you're okay with that. We're going to talk about presents from Jesus. These presents that we're going to talk about today are the best presents mankind has ever received. And I want to tell you something cool. They're eternal. They last forever forever. So what we're going to do, if you're willing to go on this journey with me, is we're going to look at seven different presents we get from Jesus that mankind gets from the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're able to, go on this journey with me. By the end, I hope we can open these presents if we haven't already. So I simply want to start with gift number one, present number one. The first present we get from the Lord Jesus Christ is humility. Humility. I want to read a passage of Scripture that goes along with this. It's going to follow on there on the screen. It's from Philippians 2, 5 to 8, and I want you to listen to what he says. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being, bound, being born in the likeness of men, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, The first present we get from the Lord Jesus Christ is humility. And I know that doesn't sound like a great present. That doesn't sound like a present you would receive from anybody, that someone would show you humility. But you have to understand that when the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, he started in heaven as the Son of God. And I asked this a couple weeks ago, but are there any royal family followers out there from those in England? Jesus was in the true eternal royal family. He was the Son of God. He received all the rights and privileges of being the son of God. But God had a plan to save his people, and that meant Jesus had to come to earth. And you know what happened when Jesus came to earth? He gave up everything. He gave up all his rights. He gave up all his royal privileges. He gave up everything it meant to be the son of God so that he could come to this earth for our sake. That's why humility is a gift. Jesus came down so that you and I might one day go up. That's a gift. Jesus positionally lost everything for our sake. The Son of God, being praised and adored and worshiped, angels and heavenly creatures, all day, every day, he gave it all up. And not only did he give it all up, but he came to earth as a baby. He put on flesh. He was not man before this. He had to become man. He had to become one of his own creations in order to help them and to save those people. And I can't imagine that. I don't know if there's any parallel that matches that. For us to create something with our hands and then become that creation in order to help that thing. But Jesus did it. Jesus came to this earth. He became one of us. And he positionally lost everything, practically. And it tells us in that passage that Jesus became a servant. Not only was he man. okay, so he lives in a palace. He's king of the earth. No, that's not what happened either. Jesus served man. He washed the disciples' feet. He gave up everything it meant to be the Son of God so that you and I could have life. And that's the first gift we find in Jesus Christ. In a world where everyone is seeking to go higher and greater, Jesus went as low as possible. Isn't that foreign? Isn't that a foreign thing to realize that Jesus lost everything? It says he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't seek to keep what was Truly his as the Son of God, but he gave it up so that he could go down So the first question I have for you today is can you fathom the love that Jesus must have for us? That he would do that for you and for me that he would lose his position He would lose his right and privileges and we know the rest of the story. Jesus would end up on a Roman cross So that you and I could one day go up. Can anyone anyone at all match that love for you? Can they? Has anyone ever lost more in order to love you than Jesus? I want to suggest to you that not even close. No one has. No one has for me. But the Lord Jesus Christ came down. You guys have heard the saying, what goes down, excuse me, what goes up must come down, right? Well, when Jesus Christ comes down for our sake, we go up and we stay up for the rest of eternity. And that's a beautiful thing to know, that Jesus came down. And that's gift Number one, and I want you to realize that that's a present. That's a present that you need to open today if you haven't already. The present of Jesus' humility for your sake and for my sake. He didn't have to do it, but he did it for our sake. That's gift number one. Let's go to gift number two. Teaching. Teaching. Jesus came to teach us about God's law. And I want to show you a passage quickly from Matthew chapter 5, if I can get here, that shows you that Jesus came to give us teaching. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. He says in verse 38, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. It says in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain to the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more do you have? What more are you doing than, that, than others? Excuse me. Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Verse 48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, Jesus came to teach us. Jesus came to teach us. Have you ever had to learn anything? I know that's a silly question, right? Have you ever had to learn how to do a job? Have you ever had to learn about a certain subject that you otherwise would know nothing about? Calculus, anybody? People have to teach us in order for us to know things. What about driving the first time you ever drove? Did someone have to teach you and show you the way to drive? Someone did for me. It took a while, actually. But someone had to show me what it looks like to drive. Let me show you an illustration. When I moved to Michigan in 2008, uh, I was moving there for ministry's sake, and I got a job at a place called Starbucks. Anybody heard of that? And I was, I was hired as a barista. I was going to be one of those people that make drinks for you. And I was hired at the one, one of the busiest stores in the entire country. It was on the University of Michigan campus. And I was a little terrified by that because I didn't make one drink my entire life. I didn't know how to make a latte or a cappuccino, probably coffee. I could figure that one out. But, but I, was, I was assuming, as you might assume, if someone hires you to be a barista, someone's going to teach you how to make drinks, right? Well, for whatever reason, I worked there one month and no one ever showed me how to make one single drink. And I think the reason is, is because they were too busy. There was always like 50 people in line, and I always went up to the manager saying, do you have time to show me how to make some drinks so I can, you know, get in line and actually make drinks for people? Because, you know, I'm a barista. And she goes, yeah, 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 we'll get to it. I worked there one month and never learned how to make one drink. And you know what this person said to me? She said, why don't we just put you in the line where the people are and you just figure it out? Does that sound like a good plan to anybody else? I didn't know how to make one drink, and she decided that I should go into the line and just figure it out. Well, you can imagine what happened. I went to the line, and people are yelling, chai latte, you know, extra whip, skim latte. I'm like, what? I mean, it sounded like Greek to me. And I'm going to the person next to me, how do you make a latte? And they're going, how do you make a latte? Why are you up here? Go wash some dishes, man. It was a very frustrating thing to realize that I didn't know how to make any drinks, and yet I was supposed to be a barista. Jesus came down to teach us, didn't he? He came down to teach us so that you and I would know the proper way to go. And that's on top of what he was already going to do on the cross. Jesus was going to die in a Roman cross so that you can have life, but he wasn't going to stop there. Jesus did not come down as a 30-something-year-old man, die, and then go back to heaven. He started as a baby. He was raised. He learned. And then he taught over and over so that you and I would know how to properly think and live the Christian life. Because even if we have salvation, if we don't know the proper way to live, we can never please God the way we were created to. Can you imagine a class in school that was, had really hard tests and absolutely no teaching or training whatsoever? Those aren't tests you would probably pass. And Jesus knew that, so he didn't just come to die. He didn't just come to be humble. He came to show us and to guide us and to say, here is the way to go. Here is how you think about these things. And I'm thankful for that gift because Jesus came to shine the light of the gospel so that you and I would no longer have to walk in darkness because that's what the world is covered in. It's covered in spiritual darkness. And unless Jesus comes to teach us and to guide us, none of us go the right way. You ever tried to walk into a dark room and guess? Even a room you're familiar with? It's a really bad idea. Turn the light on. There might be a chair you forgot about it or an ottoman or a little toy like I constantly step on. Turn the light on and you can navigate. Well, that's exactly what Jesus decided to do, was turn the light on. Now you can see clearly. Now you can think clearly. And that's the second gift we get from Jesus. He taught us. Isn't that a present? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing that. He came with a message from God, and that message had to be understood properly, and Jesus knew that. So he taught us. That's present number two. Present number three is along the same lines. It's fellowship. Fellowship, I want to show you a passage from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. This is what it says. Listen to these words. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, Let us then draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The third gift we get from the Lord Jesus Christ is fellowship. Jesus went before us so that we would know what to do. He didn't just teach us the way to go. He went and did it before us so that we might have fellowship with him along the way and not be lonely, not be scared, not be frustrated. Because Jesus already did it. I used to watch a show called Man vs. Wild. Anybody heard of that show? Man vs. Wild has this this wilderness expert. His name is Bear Grylls. And Bear Bear Grylls in the show for about a week time goes to these really barren wilderness places and has to survive an entire week or 10 days or whatever it is. And he doesn't have any food. He brings only a knife and a compass and he has to live off the land. So you can imagine, he has to make his own shelter, he has to eat very strange things, he has to find good water sources, and has to live for an entire 10 days or whatever it is off the land. Well, I thought about that going, well, what if I was placed into the wilderness? How well would I do? Well, I don't know that answer, but I'm guessing not very well. I wouldn't do very well at all. But if you placed me in the barren wilderness... And the expert Bear Grylls was there with me. And he was teaching me, but he was also going before me saying, Todd, we're going to do some scary things. We're going to do some things you're not accustomed to doing, but I'm going before you. I'm going to do it first. I'm going to show you. I'm going to guide you. And when you go through it, you don't have to be scared because I'm there next to you. I know that's a silly illustration, but that's kind of what we're talking about with Jesus Christ. Not only did he come to this earth, not only did he teach us, but Jesus did it. First, everything he requires of you and I, Jesus first did it. Which means Jesus can always say this phrase to us. I know. I've been there. Isn't that a cool thing to know? Jesus can always say that. I've been there. I know what that is like. See, Jesus reveals to us that the Christian life is possible with his help. And that those who follow Jesus will one day be victors and live forever. And it's because Jesus showed us and guides us and goes there before us. So I don't know the experiences that you've had in your life, and I know you don't know mine, but Jesus knows them both. He's been there. If you've been mocked, Jesus has been mocked. If you've been ridiculed, Jesus has been ridiculed. If you've been lonely, Jesus has been lonely. If you've been physically hurt, Jesus has been physically hurt. He knows every single battle you and I have faced. And he did that so that you and I could fellowship with him. And to me, that's an incredible gift. That he can say to us very specifically, I know I've been there. I'm here to help you. Fellowship. That's actually what the word fellowship means. When someone can say to someone else, Me too. I've been there. I know what that's like. Jesus can say that to us. And that's gift number three. Jesus was there first. Present number four is is invitation. Like, we invited all of you to come to our lunch today. Jesus first invited us to do something. And I want to look at a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Listen to what it says here. The Apostle Paul says, "...for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong." God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, as, excuse me, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, Jesus came to invite. He came to invite people to follow him. But when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't spend the bulk of his time with the rich and the mighty, as you might expect the Son of God to do, to spend time with the rich and the mighty and the people who were royal, people like that, right? The rich like to hang out with the rich. The celebrities like to hang out with the celebrities. Jesus liked to spend his time with the downtrodden, those who were on the low scale of things, the poor and the hurting and the lonely. Jesus spent the bulk of his time with simple folk the weak and insignificant people of this world. Those are the ones Jesus actually called to follow him. And I think that's a good thing because the rich and the mighty are the one percenters. And the 99 is everybody else. Jesus came to call most primarily the weak and the insignificant people of the world. People who are hurting, people who are poor, people who know what it's like to suffer, People who know what it's like to be sinners and know they're in need of saving. That's who Jesus came to call. He came to invite people like me and people like you, who the world doesn't consider anything great. I don't have my own TV show. I don't have my own, you know, uh, following. But I do have the Lord Jesus Christ's invitation, and so do you. And you know why? I think this is a very interesting point. The reason Jesus came to call the simple folk, the people who were weak and insignificant, is so that not one of those people could pat themselves on the back and steal the glory from Jesus. So that when that person gets to heaven, they know exactly why they're there. Because Jesus Christ got me here. Because the people who are rich and mighty might use a phrase like this, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I got myself there. Jesus, you didn't save me. I'm godly, I'm rich, I'm powerful, I'm mighty. But Jesus didn't call a lot of those people. The gospel does not connect with a lot of rich and mighty people. It connects a lot with people who aren't that way. He purposely made the gospel simple to understand, simple enough for children to understand and receive because they're the primary recipients. And again, he did this, I think, primarily so that no one could steal his glory. Everyone would return glory back to the Lord and say, the Lord, the reason I'm saved, the reason I'm alive, the reason I'm in heaven today is because you gave your life. And I know that. And that's an important gift, that Jesus came to invite us. Invite us. The invitation is worldwide. But not many are chosen and called who are rich and mighty. And I'm guessing there's a lot of people in this room who are like me. You're not that significant in the world's eyes. But in Jesus' eyes, you're worthy of saving. You're worthy of loving. And if you can understand this message today, there is a gift for you. This invitation is for you today. If you're not following Jesus Christ today, the invitation is open for you today because that's the kind of people Jesus came to call and to invite. And it's free of charge, just like our dinner after. Just come and open the present. Receive the present And enjoy the new life you find in Jesus Christ. So our fourth present is invitation. Jesus came to invite you. Personally. Put your name there. You guys ever been the the last kid picked in a sport? Kickball or something like that growing up? You know the kids I'm talking about, right? The kids that are like, oh, those aren't the winners. Those aren't the kids I want on my team. There's always one kid. You know, I've been there. Um, It's basically what I'm saying today is Jesus is picking an entire team of those people. He wants to take the weak and the insignificant because he wants to do powerful things through those people. So those people can't pat themselves on the back. They give all glory to the Lord Jesus, but they're victors, and they're victors forevermore. And that is a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ that he's inviting you today. Gift number five is mercy. Jesus was full of mercy. Look at this passage from John 8, excuse me, verses 1 to 11. Listen to what it says. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Verse 6. This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at this woman. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. No one was able to cast a stone. Verse 10, when Jesus stood up, he said to her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. They were expecting to stone this woman today because of her act of adultery. People, the religious leaders of the day, thought that a person like Jesus, who was the son of God and was righteous and holy, They expected a religious leader like that to have a message of condemnation towards sinners, right? Oh, you wicked sinner, you sinful person. How dare you? But they were often thrown off because Jesus had the complete opposite message. He had a message of mercy and forgiveness. And this made so many religious leaders of the day hate Jesus Christ because they thought that forgiveness and mercy was a sign of compromise and weakness. But the Lord often tried to teach those people that he was full of mercy and that if we only own up to our sinfulness, we can find that mercy. In fact, I would say it this way. Jesus came to replace fear and condemnation with love. And that's shocking. That's shocking that such a holy, righteous man would have a message of forgiveness and mercy. And that's what we celebrate here at Christmas. Jesus came down, and he came down with a message of salvation for each one of us, does any of you need a God like that? Does anyone need a God of forgiveness and mercy? Because I know that I do. If I don't have a God who's forgiving and merciful, I'm very undone in his presence. So you don't get the punishment you deserve if you follow Jesus. And you know why that is? Do you know why that is? Because Jesus takes it for you. The sins do not get swept under the rug. Someone does pay for those sins. Jesus himself. That's why he can offer mercy. That's why he can offer forgiveness. Because the debt has been paid. And we'll get to that one. That's our last gift. But Jesus is full of mercy. mercy. And I want you to understand what a blessed gift that is. In fact, I think the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16 says that very thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Jesus came with a gift of mercy. Does anyone need forgiveness today? Does anyone need the gift of mercy today? Yes. The Lord Jesus Christ is here to offer it. That's gift number five. Gift number six to go along with this is healing. Jesus came with healing. Listen to this passage from Matthew 8, verses 1 to 17. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, as they often did. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and the centurion Uh, And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Jesus touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. Verse 16, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses, and he bore our diseases. Gift number six is healing. Jesus came to heal us. And as it looks from the passage, he came to heal all our physical ailments, but it's actually something way more profound than that. Because what Jesus was showing when he was healing people's physical ailments is saying to them, look at the authority I have. Look at what I'm able to do. See, one of Jesus' most favorite names, famous names, is the great physician. Jesus is called the great physician because he can heal any ailment. And I want to stress that, any ailment, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. And Jesus healed thousands of people with diseases that were so plaguing, no one could find any answers for, like leprosy. Leprosy was one of those diseases that there really was no hope. You just suffered for the rest of your life and then you died in that condition. You were covered head to toe in sores and boils and so much so you couldn't even hang around with other people because you were so infectious and contagious. But when the leper came to Jesus Christ, Jesus in a moment cast the leprosy from him and he was healed. So basically what Jesus is trying to prove to us is if he can heal the blind and the lame and a leper... He can also heal us. No matter how sick someone is spiritually, how much you think you've sinned, how far you think you're gone, the healing power of Jesus is greater than that. And he has the authority to cast our sins from us. Do you understand that today? Do you believe that today, that no one is too far gone? See, back in the, uh, in the New Testament, there was this man called Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a persecutor of the church, which means he did all that he could to lock up Christians and have them killed because he hated their message. And Saul of Tarsus spent his entire life for a long time seeking to destroy the Christian message by killing those who spread it. And one day, Saul of Tarsus met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And he was going to Damascus to go get more Christians and lock them up. And Saul of Tarsus met the Lord Jesus Christ that day. And guess what Jesus did? He saved him. He healed Saul of Tarsus. And that man that we call Saul of Tarsus, his name was changed to the Apostle Paul. And he wrote half of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, if you will, was the true life Ebenezer Scrooge. He wasn't too far gone because Jesus is mightier than that. Jesus is greater than that. Jesus has more authority over your sins and your ailments than you can possibly know. And he came with healing. And the Apostle Paul, if he was going to define himself, you know how he would define himself? The chief of sinners. Nobody is too far gone. Jesus came with healing authority and power so that you and I could have life He's the great physician, and I need you to believe that today, that your sin in a moment can be cast from you because Jesus paid your debt, and he has the power to do so. And the last one ties along very well with this. The last present we receive from Jesus is salvation. Salvation. I want to show you a passage from Romans chapter 5. Look at what it says here. In verse 6, it says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And the word reconciliation simply means you're back in a right relationship with God because of Christ Jesus. The last gift Jesus came to offer us is salvation. Salvation. Jesus came to die so that you and I might live eternally. The primary reason Jesus came to us to save their people, his people, from their sins. In fact, we find out in the Gospel of Matthew that the very name Jesus means Savior of Sinners. Did you know that? That's what the name Jesus means, Savior of Sinners. An old pastor once said it this way, if Jesus had an office door with a title on it, It would say Savior of sinners, and any sinner would be encouraged to come and see him. Are you a sinner? Have you fallen short of God's perfect holy law? If so, just like myself, you need Jesus to save you, to heal you, to be merciful to you, to pick you up, to teach you, to guide you, to fellowship with you, to invite you. And that's what he came to do. See, drowning people need lifeguards, don't they? Dying people need doctors and blood donors, don't they? And sinners need a savior, don't they? Jesus is that savior. We are those sinners. So I want you to do something for me today. Consider the love Jesus must have for you. To be willing to spill his blood on a Roman cross, the most despicable death to die but he did it willingly. He gave up his life willingly. He gave it as a present to mankind so that you and I don't have to die forever. See, Jesus loves us with an eternal love and he desires that we have eternal life with God. He was so willing for that to happen that he gave his life on a Roman cross as a sacrifice for our sins so that we don't perish, so that we have eternal life. And I think sometimes Christianity looks like it's a lot of just chores and a lot of God trying to steal your joy and happiness. It's much the contrary, people. Jesus came to give you life. Abundant, eternal life. Jesus considered you important enough to come to this earth and die for you and put your name there. Because if you can understand this message today, he came to die for you specifically. Who else can match the love of Jesus. Can anyone. Jesus wants you to live forever with him in paradise. In spite of your sins. In spite of your weaknesses. In spite of your wanderings and your poverty. And your ailments. Jesus can cure all. And he desires to. And the greatest thing about all these seven presents that we've talked about They're free of charge. You might think there's a catch, right? What's the catch? But these presents today are free of charge, just like our meal is afterwards that they're preparing right now. It's free of charge. Come and enjoy it. All you and I need to do is to open these presents and receive them. Seven presents from the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you opened them yet? And are you willing to open them if you haven't? I want to share with you today that all you need in order to open them today is faith. Simple, childlike faith. You need to be able to say to the Lord, I believe who you are, Jesus. I believe what you came to do, Jesus. I believe that I'm in need of saving, Jesus. See, the way I'm going to term this is if sometimes when you open up actual physical Christmas presents, it's nice to have thumbs, isn't it? I'm going to say these are two spiritual thumbs we need in order to open these presents, okay? The first thumb is belief who Jesus is. Believe what he said about himself. If you can believe who Jesus is and what he came to do and that you're in need of saving, you have the first spiritual thumb to open these presents. The second thumb is this make a choice today between continuing to follow the sinful path that hurts you every single day of your life from the devil who tries to hurt you and harm you and lie to you all your life, or, and this is the second thumb, abandoning that path so that you can follow Jesus the rest of your days. If you can have belief in who Jesus is and a willingness to follow Jesus for the rest of your lives, you have both spiritual thumbs, and you can open every single present right now, today. You don't have to prepare yourself. You don't have to get yourself cleaned up. You don't have to get a 10-step program. You simply turn to Jesus. And he saves you. Belief and surrender, that's all you need. Are you willing to follow Jesus today? Can you believe that anyone could love you more than this? Because it's impossible. If you put anyone's love next to the Lord Jesus Christ, their love will pale in comparison to that. If we refuse to open these gifts today, our sins are our own. We keep the sins, and we keep the punishment that remains for those sins. There's a place called hell, and hell is real because the wages of sin is death. Sin is an eternal spiritual disease that needs to be removed, or it will kill us. And that's why Jesus is the great physician, because he can heal us. He can cure us. If you open these gifts today, eternal life is yours, free of charge. I want to end this lesson with the most famous passage in the entire Bible. It's John 3, 16 to 18, and I want you to listen and think about the gifts that we've mentioned, all right? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Do you see the message in there? Do you see the message of forgiveness and mercy and healing and salvation and invitation? It's all there. What will you do with Jesus in the presence he offers you today? Because you have a choice to open them, to receive them, to believe in them, to cherish them, or to reject them and continue on the path you're on now without God, without all that mercy, without all that forgiveness, with all, all that tenderness and compassion, without all that strength, you're on your own without Christ. And that's a really scary place to be. I've been there <clears throat> But today, you can have humility, you can have teaching, you can have fellowship, you can have personal specific invitation, mercy, healing, and salvation. And they're all available to you today simply because Jesus came down. And I want you to believe that today if you haven't yet. Don't miss out on the first, the best, and the most everlasting Christmas present that ever existed, the Lord himself. If you need to, I want you to come speak to me today. I know we have a lunch following, but I don't want anyone leaving confused. I don't want anyone leaving without Christ. If you need to know how to believe in Jesus and you're confused, please come speak to me. We could talk today. We could go into my office. I could set up an appointment with you. But you can also go to the Lord directly and say, Lord, I'm struggling. Help me. And he'll show you what it looks like to believe in him. And that's the entire message we have for you today. And I'm thankful that you came today because you have the experience, you have the opportunity to receive the best presents anyone's ever given. I pray that you would. I have, and I give all glory to God for that, because I needed forgiveness and mercy and saving. And he did it, all to his glory. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the gift of Christmas and the season that we take to celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a myth. This is not a tale we tell at Christmas. Father, this actually happened. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive today. He's on his throne. He's not dead anymore. He rose from the grave. He's alive in heaven. He's waiting for his people to join him one day. Father, I pray for those souls in this room who may not have the saving faith of Jesus, that they'd be granted that today. They would see the value and cherish Jesus today like they never have before. And that their sins would not look appealing any longer. But they would find his forgiveness, his mercy, his invitation, his healing, his power, and his salvation. All to your credit, Lord, because you paid our debt on the cross. I thank you for the day, and I thank you for this time we could spend together. Bless the food as we're about to eat it, Father. And we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.